Hey everybody, welcome back to Roar. My name is Sam Spellman and today I am so jazzed to get into the conversation. It's going to be good, it's going to be sweet, it's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, again, my name is Sam Spellman. This show is called Roar, Revealing Our Amazing Redeemer. And it's all about getting into the Word of God and letting the Bible reveal to us who our amazing Redeemer is. I've been on a fun little kick here recently, just opening the Bible up, basically what I would consider at random, just letting it open and fall and let the Holy Spirit speak to us, let the Word speak to us, and uh, bring us utterance and, and figure out, you know, what is what do we need to learn from this page? Um, I've already kind of flipped it open. I'm getting ready to flop it on. Let's see what page we land on. We are in Romans, ladies and gentlemen, classic uh, book of the Bible, directly after the book of Acts. Um, let's see what it says here. Romans chapter six. I don't like to really mess around with these podcasts. I don't know about you. I like to get right to the point, right to the moment. Um, I could do a little bit of small talk, but it's very difficult to do small talk. One thing I've learned doing these podcasts, particularly because I'm by myself, um, conversation is a little, a little weird sometimes because I'm not really getting a lot of feedback. Um, there's no like, facial structure, there's no eyes open, and I actually started doing podcasts before, I did some public speaking and ministering that way, but I did a lot of stuff online first. So when I started speaking in in public settings where I was watching people's faces, it was, I didn't really learn to read a crowd because whenever I was speaking before, I didn't have one to read really or gauge, you know, did was that a good thing to say? Was that a bad thing to say? So I was kind of oblivious to some of the cues and I had to learn some of those <laughs> as I started talking somewhat. Anyway, it's fun. I enjoy this. Uh, it's, a, it's definitely a skill to think and keep talking. In fact, I was talking to Dan the other day about it. Like, dude, when you start talking in front of a camera and you go and you're the only, you're it, man. If I, if I fumble, if I like, you know, my tongue goes, you know, and I have a, I have a moment or I say something like, that's it, dude, you know, start over, edit it out, work on it. And to, uh, to get these in one take is definitely an exercise of muscles. And it is definitely the grace of God. I, if it wasn't for the the ability to communicate that he's given me, I don't think I would I would not be doing this, man. It would it would be a lot rougher uh, of a of a listening experience for you guys, I am sure. But Romans, uh, where I opened up, it was the it's the end of five, end of six, and the very beginning of seven is the way my Bible is distributed at the moment. Um, I think it's interesting the the beginning of well the beginning of the page, the end of five here says this, it's around verse, it's like the end of verse three. I don't know if it catches the beginning of verse three. I don't think it does, but halfway through verse three, let's say it says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the suffering produces endurance and the endurance produces character and the character produces hope. And the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you've been born again, you've received the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, receive Holy Spirit. That was not tongues. That was when he came back. So that was their born again experience. They received the Spirit of God, Spirit of counsel, might, not. Anyway, they received this Holy Spirit, um, the, of the, the part of who God is, the, the three, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Um, they received the breath of God again. 
Um, I like to really, the way that the Lord's really kind of shown it to me is, you know, in the garden when Adam, it says, whenever he created man, he says he breathed into him, you know, and when you hear the word receive, you know, it means you're getting something back that was lost. Now we know Adam fell and man fell, you know, right? Whenever he was kicked out of the garden, he, man fell and death entered into the human experience, the curse working by the sweat of your brow, child pain and childbirth, like all those things that happened. When that happens, there was a breath, there was a, a way of God that no longer dwelled within man. You know, the Holy Spirit wasn't in man, but the Holy Spirit had to rest upon man like in the Old Testament. So the Holy Spirit came upon them, like the judges and David, the Spirit of God rested upon them. But see, Jesus, whenever we're born again, he says, receive. In other words, it's coming, he dwells within us again. It's a different, it's a habitation you've heard. I don't know if you've heard any ministry along these lines, but there's a lot of uh, language thrown around. Well, it's a habitation, not a visitation, right? The Old Testament, they had visitations externally upon them. The Holy Spirit would come. But now in the New Testament, we have a habitation. He dwells within us. Adam had that in the beginning, right? That's why Jesus is called the last Adam, because he restored what Adam, the first Adam lost through disobedience. Now, you know, where the... Let me go into it this way. I was actually having a conversation very recently, and the scripture really heightened a lot of these things. Because the other day I was talking with uh, with Dad about this, and we were talking about, and Mom even she brought she actually the one that brought this up. The original temptation. A lot of times we look at the fruit, and the fruit becomes the problem. Well, don't eat the fruit. You shouldn't have done the wrong thing. But the original temptation was actually questioning: Did he say that you couldn't eat the fruit? Did God say that? Was it, so the original temptation was actually not just questioning the tree, it was, did God really mean what he said? You know, in other words, is he really worth you putting your faith into? And we look at this scripture, I'm, I'm circling back here, let me finish this thought and I'll come back to what I was saying. We rejoice in our sufferings. Um, the Bible says, resist the enemy, he shall flee from you, you know, cast down every idle thought. Um, or thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, what are you doing when you're resisting the devil? You're resisting accusation. Did God really say? Did God really say? If he really said, you wouldn't be going through that right now. If he really said what he meant, then you wouldn't do this. If he really said that, then you wouldn't. But in reality, that's where the faith needs to come in, where Jesus, again, the enemy pursued him. When he was tempted, he said, if you know, if you are who you say you are, in other words, if God's really backed you like he said he's backed you, then you can throw yourself off this building. If the word really says, the word says, God said that he'd give his angels charge over you. If he really said it, then throw yourself off. It's the same temptation. It's the same lie. You know, if God, if you really are who God says you are, if you really are the son of man, if you really are the son of God, if you really are, then make this rock turn into bread. It's the same temptation. But Jesus answered that with the truth. He did not take the bait. He didn't buy into that lie. He didn't take that lie and was like, yeah, I am who he's. And then they, then he just plays right into it. Cause see, that's where Adam in the first, he played right into that. That was the first temptation where he played into it, where Jesus didn't. So again, if Jesus said, follow me, then we as his followers, the followers of the way that he has set before us, ones who have been born again and have received this Holy Spirit that Jesus himself also had. That he was said that I must ascend so that he might come down and be with you. He's another one who's like me, right? When Jesus was being sent back up into heaven, he was being elevated, right? Ascending up into heaven. Um, 
whenever that happens, we're, we're receiving the Holy Spirit, we're receiving the life of God, the breath of God, where which Adam forfeited in the garden, in the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. That submission, that resilience to the enemy's ploy, to the accusation, to the wanting to defend himself, but the incredible faith and trust that he put in the Father, that's actually what has elevated him. And it's the same thing that's going to elevate in our us in our lives. And that's what this scripture says right at the end of verse 3. We rejoice in the Lord's. This proving of our faith, this suffering, that this resistance that is trying to come against us, we rejoice in it because we know that it produces the endurance. In other words, it produces in us a greater passion that no God is for us. The truth becomes stronger in our heart. That's what Jesus, it was so strong in him. And the endurance produces character, and the character then produces hope. And hope is the substance of things, or faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we have this hope. It does not disappoint or put us to shame, because when we have that hope, and we put faith in that hope, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we have such hope in who God is, in what Jesus has done, and the resurrection, and the redemption, and the, the forgiveness of our sins, the justification of our sins, that He paid every bit. We are innocent before the Father. That hope produces faith, and that faith produces things in our lives. It produces what we need, right? That's how God operates. We've talked about that in a recent podcast. This hope does not put us to shame because why? Faith works through love because God's love has been poured or given into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the master of working all this out. All these things that are sequentially being grown in our lives as believers, sequentially being things that were seized when we're born again, the seed is planted in our heart, but the Holy Spirit works with the word and he cultivates the truth with the knowledge of the truth. He begins to build these fruit, the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5 talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All these fruit begin to be cultivated and grown by the spirit through the knowledge of the word, the knowledge of the truth of who Jesus is, what he's done, the way he lived his life, the way he resisted the enemy, the time he spent praying, the example he set before us, how he treated the disciples, how he explained things, his temperament, the joy. The Bible says he was anointed with joy above all his brethren. So there's all these different things that are that are being displayed as an example as we follow Christ. And the Holy Spirit is the one who shows. He's the teacher. He's the comforter. He explains these things. He gives us gifts, right? There's all the gifts of the Spirit, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, you know, power, the power gifts, healings, gift of faith, tongues and interpretation, right? All of the gifts. I didn't name them all, but you go through all the gifts of the Spirit. Then you have the gifts to the body that Jesus has sent, right? The fivefold ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, um, or excuse me, evangelist, pastor, teacher, right? All of those gifts to the body that he's given. There's all these different things. Everything is working for us. God is for us. That produces hope, produces faith when we know that. And the sufferings that come against when we realize, man, I got someone in my corner. Holy Spirit's in my corner. My pastor's in my corner. The evangelist over there that even told me about Jesus is in my corner. The prophetic that was flowing is in my corner. The apostle that is building these homes. Like, Anyway, the teacher that is explaining it all to me, there's hope. God is for us, right? That's just the fivefold ministry gifts, the instant moments, the very intimate moments where the gifts of the Spirit flows, tongues and interpretation, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of healing that are given, gifts of faith, the prophecy, right? All these things that can happen. It just produces this fuller and fuller, and the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, uses all of these things. Says this verse 6, For while we were still weak, 
at the right time. So there's an appointed time. God knew when and how to set all this up. Christ died for the ungodly. For once, for one will, excuse me, sacredly die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in a while that we were, I am like struggling to read that, excuse me. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. That goes back to like Genesis chapter 9. Noah gets off the boat. He starts talking about stuff you can eat, stuff you can't eat. And he gives him a commandment. He says, blood that's spilled, blood is required. In other words, if a man takes the life of another, his life is required to pay for it. That's where the sacrifices were introduced. Even into the Old Testament, blood is required. Pure blood is required for innocent or for guilty blood, right? Because this is something that guilty blood is required for pure blood. If someone is killed, murdered, not just killed, but murdered, you know, blood is required. Something needs to be, that life that's been taken, it needs to be exchanged. There's something that's required there. That's set up way back in Genesis chapter 9. So here when he talks about this justification of the blood, our guilty blood has been justified by the blood of Christ. Now think about this. The Lord showed this to me a while back, and I think it's really, really cool. Again, I was talking about the breath of God earlier that's been breathed into us, right? We've received the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, receive Holy Spirit, the breath of God that's been restored. What does the blood carry? Naturally speaking, in science, what what is in the red blood cells? Oxygen. The breath, the air is carried in the blood. So the breath or the spirit of a person flows through their bloodstream. Scientifically, I can't explain all that, but I that's what I mean it makes sense, does it not? So then why is the blood so important? Why is the blood have to be what's required? Because that pure spirit, not only just the natural life that flows through the blood, but the spiritual, the eternal life flows in the blood. I think that's really cool that God covered all his bases. Born of water, born of spirit. A natural man, when a woman's water breaks and a baby comes into the earth, you're born of water. You're born again, you're born of spirit, of life. The breath is born and breathed back into you. Both are covered, the sons of God. There's a lot of really cool things you begin to dig into Scripture and how the Lord has completely covered all this. So the blood really matters. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath or the judgment of God. For if while we were his enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life, his breath. More than that, we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, the position he holds, who he is, through whom we have now received reconciliation. All things that need to be reconciled have been been reconciled for you. If you're a believer, you've received the Holy Spirit through the born-again experience. Then you have the Holy Spirit with the speaking of other tongues, Day of Pentecost, but I don't have time to get into all that. But you've received the Lord. You've been justified. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Have faith. Expect that good things are happening. Let that hope, let that breath of God, that life of God, the Word of God, the speech of God, His Word, let it really permeate your every being and really begin to justify and change who you are and how you view even your own identity because that faith produces things in your life. It's how God operates. It's how we were made to operate. And those sufferings, those resistance actually helps to... What's the word? 
form in us Christ-likeness. That's what it's all about. It's the experience. It's the growth. It's the fun. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Thank you for joining in. I love you guys so much. These are super fun to get into the conversation about you know, why we are what we are, why we were made the way we were made, why God chose what he chose, why he sent his son, and these eternal truths that will set us up for a beautiful eternity in love and with our Father who created us. So, thank you so much. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May wait. May he make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. Make sure to check out the description of the podcast for more information about who I am and the ministry. You can do it. You guys are adults. You can figure it out. I trust you guys to do that. Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys next time on Roar. Thank you.